But slowly, you know, over the last couple of years, or you know, I have started putting that that weight back on and getting back to a place that was a little bit less healthy uh, again. And so I lose 45 and and slowly gained 20. And some of that for me is. Uh, is just getting busy and sort of losing focus on the diet. And some of that is that I really love poutine. Um, <laughs> you know, so all of that, uh, all of that is a big wrestle. Uh, being in Costa Rica down with Tim, you know, you know, 60-year-old Tim can run up the mountain a lot faster than I could. And, and I'm not at all competitive, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys who know me are laughing, right? Like these kind of things are, are struggles. So, so just, just recently, you know, I decided that I would, I would go back on a, on a bit of a healthy eating plan and begin to try to reset my system. And, and if you guys know me, I can be a little bit dramatic about these things, but that wasn't necessarily fun for my wife. Um, she uh, really... I mean, just really pushes in. She really wants to help me be healthy. Uh, she's really like cooking uh, healthy, healthy stuff for me. And as she began to cook healthy, healthy food for me, I began to get grouchier and grouchier and grouchier. And part of the plan that we were on was to try to uh, detoxify our bodies a little bit. So when you eat poutine at a Harvey's drive-thru, you get potatoes and whatever's in the gravy. And uh, your body just picks up all of that stuff. And when your body is storing excess energy and storing it as where you can plainly see that it's stored on me, um, uh, when you begin to starve those fat cells, they begin to release some toxins into your system. And you also stop drinking coffee and you get grouchier and grouchier and grouchier. But for me, that uh, detox thing, uh, I was honestly, I was... I was really feeling it in, in my in my legs, in my in my whole body. I was literally in, in a place where I spent a couple of days of work lying on the bed with my laptop groaning in pain. I was not friends with my body. And as I was processing that and trying to figure out how uh, to, to push through and to begin to figure that out, uh, feeling like I was making a choice that was leading to life, like with my heart, with my spirit, I was making a choice that I knew was ultimately leading to life and was ultimately obedient. Uh, my body is feeling worse and worse. Uh, knowing that that was going to be a short-term thing and I was going to push through it, I still didn't have an easy time with that. And, and something really uh, strange began to surface in me, and I, and I actually began to get mad at myself physically, like, like literally angry at my body. <laughs> Come on, I, I, am I the only one who's ever experienced this? <laughs> Come on, like angry at my body, like angry. I actually, actually, Anna said hangry, yeah, I was a little hungry angry. Uh, and, uh, you know, just angry at myself, like really wrestling, like, like honestly, and mad at God, like, like how come Warren can eat a bag of chips and he's skinny and healthy? And how come I can't eat a bag of chips and be skinny and healthy? Like, why is my genetic makeup such that I pack on every single ounce? Like, I am from Northern Europe. That's where my bloodlines are from. And I think I just hibernate like a bear around winter. And I just want to pack on the pounds and go to sleep for four months. Like, that's just, that's just the way I'm wired. And I'll eat the potato chips and everything else. In the fall, it's the worst thing ever. And I was literally, I thought that my wife was killing me with broccoli. I, I love her. 
I love her so much. Like, like, can you murder your husband with, with avocado? I don't know. I think she was trying to. I, actually, I, I remember, I remember one, one morning, like, I like, like, I, I don't love the super healthy food. I'm eating, I'm eating, like, flax cereal for breakfast. I don't know. I put a picture of that up on Facebook. And it's kind of like this gloopy, soaked flax mess. And I did a slow-mo video of it, like, falling into the bowl. It lands in the bowl. But, but that's, like, the, one of the good things. But it's called vegicide. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, where's the coffee? Where's the bacon? And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm like, I'm actually at this point, I'm looking forward to the flax cereal. And, and I get up one morning and I'm like, I'm going to have flax cereal. And I put the flax cereal on the counter and I'm like, going to have it. And Anna says, oh, no, it's smoothie day. And honestly, it almost broke my spirit. <laughs> It, it, it almost broke me, like smoothie day, like like you should not have to have breakfast you can drink. You just really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. And so I, I'm in pain. I'm like making these physical decisions to try to, to fix my body. But what you and I know is that there's also something spiritual going on. Uh, the reason why I was eating poutine and the reason why I was doing all of that stuff was uh, was to, to seek comfort or to mitigate stress. And sometimes when you don't go to the Father to deal with your stress, you go to the Harvey's drive-thru. <laughs> and that, that's sin, right? That's sin. And so me lying on my bed in detox with my system, dealing with the toxins that I'd consumed at the Harvey's drive-thru, and in the pain of that was me dealing with the physical consequences in my body of the sin that had been committed by my spirit. Right? Isn't that what was happening? I was dealing in my physical body with the sin that my spirit had committed and not going to the Father with my pain or with my frustration. And that's what we do all the time. We, we, we do that. We, we look to, to medicate stuff. And, and, you know, God will deal with the eternal consequences of our sin, right? Like we, we have life of eternity with him, but sometimes the physical consequences of our sin, he lets us taste those just a little, <laughs> right? And those teach us. And those grow us. And so the, the call that I've been feeling as a person, and I, this is just a huge wrestle for me, and it's something I'm totally in process on, and you'll probably hear me and see me all through my life going through process on this, is trying to be a person who is really spiritually and physically fully alive to God. Fully alive to God. And that passage in Ephesians is something that we've read, and it's been important, but, but how Jesus, how Christ makes us alive in him. And that's what I want to be, physically and spiritually alive in him. But let me unpack some of that for us. I want us to look at the book of Habakkuk. Um, just quickly, we're going to look at a number of things. We're going to jump all over the scriptures this morning. Uh, but Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verse 4b, and this is from the message because I just like the, the way this is really clear uh, for us in here. It says, but the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive. And isn't that what we want to be? Fully alive. Uh, Irenaeus in the, in the second century, he was uh, one of the early church fathers, and he was dealing in his context with a, with a, a community and a sin 
uh, and, a, and a heresy called Gnosticism that said that everything spiritual is good and everything physical is ba- bad. Uh, that idea that our spirit and our, and our bodies are at war with one another and disconnected. And he's dealing with this as Paul did uh, in a lot of his teaching in the New Testament. He said this, he said, the glory of God is a person fully alive. The glory of God is a person fully alive. And so how do we be alive, both spirit and body? Because uh, fundamentally, as, as Christians, we believe that, um, that, that we, we have these two elements to us, that there is the spirit. And if, you, and if you sum up what some of the gospel presentation has been over the years, uh, the idea is our body dies and is buried in the ground and our spirit goes with Christ in eternity. But of course, in Christianity, uh, there's actually more to that because we believe in the resurrection, right? We believe that our body physically uh, also is at some point made new. And so we just remind ourselves of that almost every Easter when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't like your body, don't worry, you're about to get a serious upgrade. You're about to get a serious upgrade. But at the same time, uh, that's an eschatological hope. That's a hope of the distant future. But, but what does that mean for us now to live as people that God uh, thinks both our spirit and our body is important? Uh, what Irenaeus was speaking into was what I said before, this idea of Gnosticism. This idea, and this came from the Greek. So as, as Judaism, uh, Jewish people embraced Christianity, uh, they took that uh, in in the context of the Jewish faith, right? But then as Christianity spread out through the Roman Empire, it encountered Greek thought in a really uh, powerful way. And, and in Greek thought is this idea that the spirit and the body are, are utterly distinct. Utterly distinct. So what Gnosticism, that, that ancient heresy, and there's so much of the early church's reaction is against this heresy. Uh, what Gnosticism says is that the spirit is good, and that the body is bad, that Jesus is redeeming this, but this doesn't matter. And we, we, and we live like that so much. So much of our, our evangelical Christianity has maybe a too simplistic idea of spirit and body, right? Uh, a simplistic idea that says that uh, our, our spirit is going to go to be with God in heaven, and body, we're going to get to abandon it, and it just doesn't matter now. But that's not a gospel picture. There's two errors that happen in Gnosticism. The first one is this. Uh, you must be very harsh with your body and mortify it. And so we saw that in the early church, and we saw that in the early Roman wor- world, is that people uh, who were in this stream of teaching uh, felt like in order for their spirit to achieve a place of healthy relationship with God, that you had to absolutely beat up your body. And that's where we saw uh, some heresy in the early church. We saw some difficulties in the early church. We would see uh, um, mystics uh, going out into the desert uh, with an extreme asceticism and and literally starving themselves and and beating themselves. We see extremes of it even in the Roman Catholic Church today. I mean, it's obviously over-dramatized, but how many of you remember the Da Vinci Code? You remember the monk Silas? who wore the, I forget what, he, what it's called, the, the like spiky thing around his thigh so that he would just constantly be in pain all day and remember that his flesh just had to be mortified. He was just whipping himself and, and beating himself. This understanding that you had to absolutely 
uh, damage and hurt your body to achieve a place of health and a place of spirituality. That's one uh, error of this understanding that your spirit is good and your body is ultimately bad and not important. Uh, the second side is that uh, the other way extreme that you go with this, uh, with this heresy is that you can do whatever you want with your body because it just doesn't matter. And so you would see extremes in the Roman world where the body was absolutely uh, a plaything. It was absolutely fed to excess. It was absolutely uh, sexuality. Anything you could do and wanted to do was absolutely okay. Uh, all of that kind of just wild, wild freedom, that kind of hedonism flew out of this thinking uh, that, uh, that, that it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It's only your spirit that counts. Right? And we see that in the church even today. And we see that in our story even today where, where this, what, you know, it doesn't really matter what I do. I mean, I'm going to die in the end, right? Haven't, haven't we, we heard thinking like that? Again, that's not Christianity. Of course, the opposite of this is materialism, right? Where uh, the spirit is non-existent or irrelevant, right? That's the secularism. Or, and that your body is just all that's good, and you have your body for a period of time in your life, and, and, uh, and then eventually you go to be one with the earth, and that's fine, but uh, your body's good, you've got to take care of it, and, and all of that, but your spirit, we, we don't even think about it, we don't even, uh, we aren't aware of it, and, and in, a, in a different way, some Christians are, are like that as well. Right, is we're not really aware of the spiritual uh, life. We're sometimes not aware that um, how our, our prayer life is affects our physical life. Right, and we're, we're very materialistic sometimes in the church, in particular in North America. Uh, we're very prayerless, aren't we? we? We don't focus on that intimate, interactive relationship with Jesus. We just try to do the stuff that's right. And we think that somehow by doing what is right and obeying God physically uh, with our bodies and trying to press through that and trying to figure it out without the help of the Spirit, without getting our hearts healed, without uh, being set free from spirits that might be uh, harming us, through, through, without any awareness of the spiritual life, we try to behave and perform physically and, and we're just unsuccessful constantly fighting and fighting and fighting. Uh, the same battles. Uh, for me, when I'm just lying on my bed uh, with my legs hurting and pounding, that was some of what I was wrestling with, right? I was trying by my physical strength only to exert myself over my body and make it become the thing it needed to become. But I wasn't in a place, like, and, and I know God was just constantly, kindly, speaking this to me through Amber, my sister, through, through my wife, I wasn't dealing with the heart stuff, right? I wasn't dealing with the heart stuff. I wasn't coming to God in repentance and saying, oh God, I, I, I have gone to the wrong place here. The Harvey's drive-through is the wrong place to go for comfort. And not dealing with, uh, you know, with, with my stress before God. My prayer life was going to the Harvey's drive-thru. Instead of sit down and pray when I had something to pray about, I don't have time, I'm too busy, I gotta go, uh, I'm feeling miserable, I'm gonna go grab, go grab poutine, <laughs> right? What did I need to do? <laughs> to pull over the car and pray, 
right, to pull over the car and pray and seek God, right? And so uh, I was living as a materialistic person in that mode. And, of course, there's those two errors that, that happen if you're living as a materialistic person. One, you're never fully healthy. You don't let Jesus redeem you spiritually. Some of the things that we phys physically struggle with, with addictions and, and all of that, there's sometimes spiritual causes behind them, right? We, we all know this. There's, there's, there's pain, there's trauma in our lives from childhood. Sometimes it could be generational things that we're wrestling with. Sometimes it can be just stress that we're, we're medicating and we're not taking before the Father. But we can't be redeemed physically if we're not allowing ourselves to be redeemed spiritually, right? Right? We need to go to God. And what I, what I found uh, through, through just the last few weeks of my experience is that there, it's absolutely both all of the time. Making the physical choice and the spiritual choice are the same thing. They're the same thing. We, we are one person. And a second problem with, of course, materialistic living, for, for any of you who might not be believers here, if the spirit is totally off the grid for you, if you haven't accepted that you have a spirit that needs to deal with the spirit of God, then, then you're just not prepared for eternity. You, you just are not prepared for eternity. Uh, so there's this, this problem that happens when we decouple the spirit from the body or the body from the spirit, right? We need to live as whole people. Uh, in Jewish and therefore early Christian thinking, the spirit and the body can't be thought of as unrelated things. So that picture I had of spirit and body, blue and yellow, well, when we mix blue and yellow, that makes green. And it's so important that we don't think of ourselves as a spirit and body as two separate things. We, we have to think of ourselves as something that's mixed. When we present ourselves physically to one another as human beings, you are not just physically presenting yourself and your, your spirit is, is completely irrelevant to the situation. When you present yourself, you're presenting yourself spiritually and physically to community. Uh, they're, they're both there. You can't uncouple them. You can't uh, disconnect them. Um, this, is a, this is a great quote from the Midrash from, from uh, Leviticus Rabbah. It says, sin is not the product of an unruly body asserting itself over a pure soul. On the contrary, the body and soul are seen in a partnership of equal responsibility for actions in this life and the next. Sin is not just our bodies rebelling against a good soul. And, and the opposite can be said. Um, uh, sin is not when our, our spirits are at odds with Christ, but we're doing everything else right. Uh, they're, they're in a partnership of equal responsibility. And this is the, this is the Jewish thinking that, that Paul, that the Apostle John, that Peter, that Jesus would have all learned as children, right? That's how they would have understood the physical body, not in the Greek way, where they're two completely separate things. And so there's this great uh, parable of the two guards uh, where uh, a rabbi, and again, I'm just bringing the Jewish uh, roots in here to, to just help us understand uh, the that Christianity in a, in a broader context uh, came out of something. And this understanding that we had in the teaching of Jesus and in Paul uh, came, came, was consistent. 
And the parable was this. Uh, the emperor Antonius was having a discussion with the rabbi. And what the emperor was saying was, um, you know what? It's really great because uh, the body and soul can excuse each other from sin by claiming that the transgression is the fault of the other. <laughs> Isn't that a great deal? Right? I'm having trouble with, with my addiction, but really I, uh, I, uh, uh, the problem is that, uh, that I was abused as a child. When you're dealing with an addiction, you need to make the physical decisions and heal the heart, right? Or, or maybe you're, you're saying, um, you know, the, the problem is my, my spirit. The, the problem is my body. I, I have everything right with God. Everything is good with God. But, uh, but my body is just my genetics. I just can't stop uh, eating pork. Uh, can't, I can't stop having, uh, you know, two or three or four or five or six or seven, uh, seven helpings uh, out of that crock pot of pulled pork. <laughs> Right? I can't, I, I need that extra steak. My, my, my genetics say I need that extra steak. Um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all right with God, but, but my body m makes me need this. And the reality is, is that, that that's not the way it works. So with the way the parable goes is, it's the parable of the two guards. So imagine two guards in an orchard, and that's their job to guard the orchard. And one of them is lame. He can't walk. And the other one is blind. One is lame, and the other one is blind. And this is the story that the rabbi told. One's lame, one's blind. And they wanted some fruit, but they weren't allowed to take the fruit, and the fruit was up high in the trees. So what they decided to do was that the lame guard would get onto the shoulders of the blind guard, and then they could reach up and they could get some fruit. And then when they got caught and brought before the judge, they have an excuse. They say to themselves, well, I'm, I'm lame. I couldn't have taken the fruit. And the other one says, well, well I'm blind. I, I couldn't have taken the fruit. And what the rabbi said that the judge did in that moment is he, he had a man lift the lame man back onto the shoulders of the blind man and judge them together. And judge them together, right? It says this. Uh, he said this, says, God judges the soul and body as being in partnership with one another as they will be in the resurrection. And this concept of the resurrection is so important to Christian thinking. It's so important that we understand that, that God is not just redeeming our spirits. That God wants redemption to flow through our bodies. He's not just saving our souls. He wants salvation to be worked out in us physically as well, right? It's so important. But, it, but it's not just about us being judged together, spirit and soul, spirit and, spirit and body. Uh, we're loved together. Do you understand that Jesus loves your body? That he made it. He loves it. He loves this. And he wants this thing to be healthy. As he wants our, our spirits to be healthy. In 3 John 2, it says this, and, and this is just John talking to a friend. He says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I pray that you might enjoy good health and that all might go well with you 
even as your soul, sorry for the typo there, is getting along well. Right? And for Christianity, this is just so important. Christianity is the most uh, connected spiritually and bodily uh, of, of all the religions. Look, even at Islam, uh, even within Islam or, or other religions, you might believe that uh, God created the body, but could you imagine that he likes it? You couldn't imagine that he likes it, that he cares for you, that he cares for you physically. Uh, Christianity, uh, we believe something much, much more. We, we, don't, we not only believe that God made the body, and this goes even beyond our understanding of what we see in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God uh, resting on somebody or moving somebody or, or, or accomplishing something through somebody or anointing somebody. But in the New Testament, through what Christ has done on the cross for us, not only does God move us physically, not only does God touch us, not only does he surround us, not only does he rest on us, not only did he make us, but he inhabits us. In the New Testament, the veil of the temple is torn in two. God no longer becomes a God who is localized to a physical building, Christians believe that God is now localized to you. Christians believe that God inhabits you. And we see this here in 1 Corinthians. This is at the core of Paul's understanding of how we work as humans. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean? What does the temple mean? What does the temple mean? The temple is the place where you worship. The temple is the place where God and man meets. The temple is the place, uh, even looking back uh, further to Moses and the Israelites wandering in the desert, it's the place where you would tabernacle together. The place where you would be in that tabernacle, that place where you would be in community, that place where you would be in unity, that place where you would be connected is not physically just your spirit over here connecting with God over here and they're doing something over there kind of like you know we, we kind of imagine it like kind of like Star Wars right right don't you imagine your spirit as kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi with like kind of translucent and like glowing light around and somewhere over there right having a coffee with Almighty over in the corner while I'm doing this isn't that kind of how we imagine it goes? But all of that interaction with God happens right in here. And he cares about this space. He cares about your body. He wants it to be healthy. He wants it to be whole. He wants to dwell in it. And, and if we look back to that passage in 1 Corinthians, and I'm sorry I didn't put the slide there, 
uh, or sorry, yeah, it's in, it's in Ephesians chapter 2 where we talked about uh, being made alive in Christ. It's that we might be made alive in Christ to serve and fulfill the purpose of God in the earth. Right? God has a purpose for you. And I promise you that my purpose in God wasn't lying in my bed with my laptop being in pain. Right? He's just got so much more for us. So this is, is the wrestle. This is the wrestle for me. This is, I think, the wrestle for so many of us. That God wants to touch you, spirit and body, every part of you. He wants to touch you physically and heal you. He wants to set you free from oppression. He wants you to set you free from addictions. And he wants you to do the part of the work that you're called to do in order to achieve all that. Right? For, for Christians, there's, there's kind of three principles here. Fully alive people focus on their bodies and their souls. To be fully alive in Christ, you need your spirit healthy and healed. And to be seeking heart transformation. To be seeking God to set you free of pain and trauma. And all of the, the things that are unhealthy in us spiritually. And you need your body to be healthy enough to sustain the mission to which God has called you to. A as much as possible. And, that, and that's for some, for me, there's a limitation on that. Maybe genetically, uh, maybe there's a limitation for you uh, because of a disease that you're wrestling with. Or maybe God wants to heal those things. Maybe God wants to heal those things physically. Maybe he wants to bring redemption in the here and now. And that's where this faith, this belief, this demonstration of the kingdom of God that we saw in Jesus literally opening blind eyes and causing lame people to walk is that demonstration of his love for the body. This love for people to be able to fulfill the purpose for which they're created. So this first principle, fully alive people focus on their bodies and on their souls. Fully alive people eat, exercise, pray, worship, and learn in a way that is healthy for their unique journey. I found a healthy meeting plan, eating plan for me, but I am not doing the cabbage soup diet. Have you heard about the cabbage soup diet? Have any of you done the cabbage soup diet? You try it? Yeah, the cabbage soup diet. Like for me, that one is not one that's going to work. Right? Day one, cabbage soup plus as much fruit as you like, excluding bananas. Day two, cabbage soup plus vegetables, including one baked potato with a little butter. <laughs> right? Day three, cabbage soup plus fruits and vegetables, excluding potatoes and bananas. Day four, cabbage soup plus up to eight bananas and as much skim milk as you like. Day five, you're dead. <laughs> right? Now, the cabbage soup diet might be the one that really works for you. But don't be people who chase fads and trends and exercise. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a physical program for physical health for women. It's called the Sledgehammer Plan. Where literally it's a physical activity plan where you just pound a sledgehammer on things in a group of women all day. Like for, I mean, do you know, some of you know about that? It's, it's part of CrossFit deal, right? Some of you are, are into the sledgehammer. Sledgehammer people, right? 
chasing those fads, guys. I don't know. Do you own your own sledgehammer yet? Do you own your own sledgehammer yet? You can come. We could do axe plan. I've got some trees to do at my house. I'm telling you. Right? So, so but whatever it is, find that thing that actually works for you and who you are. Find that thing. You, 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 God has a plan for your body. Uh, even, even just research on obesity, and I've been doing a little bit of that recently. Um, even research on that, like, like there are different kinds of, of obesity. And you have to find out what it is that you, you're wrestling with to find the recipe to become healthy for you, for who God's made you to be. And don't judge yourself by other people. And here's just a third principle. Physically alive people enlist healthy support. Fully alive people enlist healthy support. Okay, this is a a bit from, from my friend Rich Nathan. He says, everybody write this down. Every body needs a buddy. (laughs) Right? Everybody, every physical body needs a buddy. A spiritual body needs a buddy. You have to do this in community. And you have to do this in relationship. That's why at OVV we, we've just been emphasizing and emphasizing and emphasizing home church, small groups, OVV Connect. You have to get in relationships with people that are going to encourage you, that are going to be on the journey with you, that are going to hold you accountable, that are going to do this thing with you. If you're going to be fully alive in, in Christ, you, you can't do it alone. You just can't do it alone. Dear friend, I pray that you enjoy good health and that it may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Even as your soul is getting along well. So we can just stand now. Father, I bless this community. I ask, bless this uh, family. I ask that, that each of us would be uh, fully connected, fully under the redeeming power of Jesus, soul and body. In Jesus' name we pray.